For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Grant Brisby, who covers the San Francisco Giants for The Athletic, about where the Giants stand about a third of the way into the season. At 50 games played, the Giants are just shy of the one-third mark entering June for a four-game series this weekend against the Miami Marlins after failing to sweep the Padres and going out to Cincinnati and salvaging something in the King City. All stuff we can talk about as far as where the Giants are going, where they've been, and maybe some pieces they'll need to add along the way. All that's coming up with Grant Brisby. Who joins me next? Today is Friday, June 3rd. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Grant Brisby. He covers the Giants for The Athletic. Grant, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, so uh, almost a third of the way through the season, there's that uh, there's an old, was it a Tommy Lasorda quote? The you win 54, you lose 54, and it's what you do with the third 54. They kind of decide your season. The thing about that quote is you don't play those sequentially. Like that third 54, it might have happened back in like April and May. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I I, uh, I don't know this Tommy Lasorda of whom you speak, but I'll take that quote at face value. No, it makes <laughs> sense. It's just, you know, you know what you're going to do at some point, and you just just gotta it's what you do on the other ends of those 54 we'll see what happens with the Giants so, so what what do you know about them at this point what do you know uh, about 50 games into the season uh, what kind of team are the Giants it, it's tough to tell for me obviously they're a, a well-coached team they play the game I, I think uh, in a, a a way that that caters to their strategy in that they're not going to get 40 home runs out of a position in the lineup but maybe they will out of a out of a single spot between a, a, a patchwork or a, a Frankenstein's monster group of guys but what do you know about this team are they a good pitching team a good hitting team what's your evaluation of the Giants 50 games in I know that they're a confusing team insofar as they will go on hot streaks and cold streaks a little bit uh, more jaggedly than last year. I do think that this year's team is maybe a little bit more well-rounded offensively, which seems strange. That is in part because Mike Yastrzemski seems like he's not only fully back, but maybe even a little bit better, a little bit more discerning with the eye. Uh, you have Tommy LaStella coming back and doing good things. They still haven't seen what they can get from Brandon Belt. Darren Ruff, I think, is teetering between breaking out and doing a little bit more. Evan Longoria is back. He's had a weird year where he's not walking at all, but he's hitting for power. So I think that they have more pieces. They're scoring more runs per game. They have a better adjusted OPS. It's a matter of their pitching. Their pitching in May was pretty darn bad, and it's put them below average as far as ERA and adjusted ERA and that's going to be the story because when you look at the expected statistics, they shouldn't be that bad. They're still striking guys out, still preventing home runs, still doing a lot of things right. They're just allowing more runs than they should. Tyler Rogers is one of those guys who's sort of like the uh, the beacon or the uh, the headline guy. Maybe Alex Cobb falls into that category as well as far as guys who are, are making pitches, who are getting light contact, and then the positioning of the Giants or the, the overall fielding has just not come through. But it, it seems to me like when you look at those expected statistics, A, you believe that some stuff will come back to where you expected it to be at the start of the year, that it will regress kind of back to, to where it needs to be for them to find success. And the other part of this is what's the defense doing? Is the defense defense inefficient? Is it about positioning? Are they a poor defensive team? How do you evaluate that sort of bad luck for some of the guys we've seen on the pitching staff? It's a weird one where you have 
corner outfielders you know that you're going to struggle with, whether it's Jock Peterson, whether it's Darren Ruff, you know that there's going to be someone clomping in a corner outfield spot. That's just how the team is built. They don't have that gold glove center fielder. Mike Strzemski does fine. Austin Slater, when he's healthy, does fine. Steven Duggar, when he's healthy, does fine. But there's no gold glove or someone who's just going to go out there and make you say wow every single day. So the outfield defense, they're looking for offense from it. And that's, that's fine. As for the infield defense, I think the infield defense should be pretty good. But it's these hits, these infield hits, these squibbers against the shift. The Giants aren't shifting as much as other teams. They have a very weird pitching staff. And by that, I mean they have a lot of guys who pitch differently. You have Carlos Rodon, who has stuff that you just don't find in every staff. You have Tyler Rogers, who is a unicorn. You have Alex Cobb, who has a splitter that just isn't featured with every pitcher. And you can go down the list, and the Giants have a very unique group of pitchers, and maybe the ball is coming off the bat differently than you might expect, or that it's something you can't necessarily plan for when you're using a shift based on the the patterns of pitchers around the league, because the Giants pitchers don't follow that same pattern. I can't figure it out. Maybe it's just dumb luck, and maybe it's something that will regress to the mean in a good way. It's been jarring, though, because you've seen Alex Cobb, for for one, has an ERA of 5.73 and a fielding independent pitching of 2.64. That's a huge gap, one of the biggest gaps I've ever seen. So there's got to be something there. It's funky, and that's the thing is, over the course of 162, you hope that the uh, the breaks will even and the averages will even, and, uh, and some of that will come back a little bit. And all that being said, the Giants are still holding on to a playoff spot right now. If the season ended today, one of my favorite uh, uh, sports <laughs> adages, if the season ended today, they'd be in the playoffs. Well, it never ends today. It's, uh, it's June 3rd, right? So in terms of some of the other defense or, or some of the other players that have made this a funky roster or a weird season to this point, uh, I saw you wrote a little bit about Stuart Fairchild, the newer outfielder that came over to the Giants from the Mariners organization, which, you know, I didn't double-check that. I just assume you can say that about every player that, that now debuts on the Giants roster. Came over from the Mariners organization. What can you tell us about Stuart Fairchild and what have you thought of him so far? Stuart Fairchild is, I want to say, the eighth or ninth player added to the 40-man roster after a minor deal this year. I mean, the Giants are just, they are aggressive at going out and getting players that are overlooked, who can fit a specific need for a week or two before they are designated for assignment. Stuart Fairchild is a little bit different because as I started to write it, my thought in my head was, okay, the thesis of this is going to be, don't get used to this guy. He's just going to be here for a week. He's filling a gap. And the more I read about, or more I wrote about it, He was a second round pick. He was the first position player drafted in the second round. And he was uh, a prospect, a toolsy prospect. And they said, well, he'll always field, but if he can hit a little bit, he'll have a chance to stick in the majors. And so what did he do is he went around or he went down the line and he hit wherever they put him. They put him in AAA and he hit. And then the pandemic happened. He comes back. He struggles for about 40 at-bats in AAA for the Diamondbacks. They sell him to his hometown team. It looks like a great story. His hometown team, two weeks later, sells him to the Giants. It's a weird story because he wasn't a, it wasn't that long ago that he was a prospect. So that's what Farhan Zaidi is good at unearthing. And, you, you know, you can't argue with the results with Lamont Way Jr. and Yastrzemski. Luis Gonzalez is having a heck of a year so far. That That's what they're looking for. I think who knows if they'll get it with him, but they'll keep trying. The cool thing with Luis Gonzalez, by the way, uh, for me, is I, I think it, it sort of got lost in the, the jumble this year because of all the players they've acquired and because of all the different names and faces that have come up to help out. But I, I think now there's that feeling that whenever a guy comes up, if he's finding 
even if it's just a little bit of success, you go, is he this year's Mike Yastrzemski? Is he this year's Lamont Wade Jr.? And it now sort of seems like this year's Luis Gonzalez is one of those guys. What's kind of cool about it, in addition to that, is he's a uh, he's a true rookie. This is a guy who's going to compete for Rookie of the Year this year. I don't know where the Giants would be without Luis Gonzalez. Uh, he had four hits in, in Philadelphia the other day. He's been fantastic. Uh, I know a little bit rocky on defense when he first came up, but I think he's a, a fine defender. Looks good in the uniform. He's been a nice find so far. He has been, and it's uh, he's filled just this really great need for the Giants. And it's funny how he is very similar to Lamont Wade Jr., not just because he's a left-handed hitting outfielder, but because there was a point where he deserved to be on the, the active roster, and the Giants had to send him down because of uh, a numbers game. That's exactly what happened with Wade last year. And then there was a week later, there's an injury, Wade's back up, and then he hit so well that you just couldn't send him down maybe ever again. That's exactly what Gonzalez is doing right now. When they sent him down there were already howls understandable howls about sending him down now I just don't see how you can do it he's hitting 337 he's raking the ball all over the place I will say that when it comes to a high batting average that's the stat that I trust the least as far as I want to see more of it going forward because it takes a couple bad weeks and if that's all you got is a high average maybe there's something underneath that needs to be worked on but he's got that devil's power he's got that speed he's doing a lot of things well like you said he's a rookie so I'm on board right now I think he's he's a heck of a player yeah, he's been a lot of fun. That, that's the number that I look at, too, and I, it just sort of baffles me because they sent him down. He was hitting like 349, and he came right back up. I think he went to Sacramento, hit a home run, and then came right back to the bigs <laughs> after uh, after an injury, as you pointed out. But you're right. You look at a number like that, and I know that you know the good hitters across baseball are the great hitters. You look at them, and you go, okay, that's an average that kind of fits. But is it a little bit alarming to just look up and see a guy hitting 337 in the month of June? It is. It is. It's fun because, look, for as much as I, I say, you know, batting average is a context-dependent stat and it's it's one that's not exactly sticky. It, it's uh, From year to year, you can have high variance in batting average, but that doesn't take away that a high batting average is fun. A guy who can hit 330, even if it's just for a single season, that's a fun player to watch because it, a third of his at-bats are ending in a hit and it makes it like it reinforces your priors and you're thinking, oh, you know, here he goes again. This is yet this guy does it all the time. It's, it's just so much fun. That's why Jose Altuve, that's why uh, Rod Carew, I mean, Tony Gwynn, these guys were just so much fun to watch. And maybe it's not as productive as like Hank Aaron or something like that, but there's a level of fun to baseball that I get into. And I think batting average is one of the more fun stats in that way. It's nice to get hits. It's nice to watch guys get hits and get on base. It's, it's the most fun way to watch a guy get on base is to get a base hit, right, or to get any kind of hit. You pointed out the, the ERA for the uh, the pitching staff and specifically the bullpen, uh, MLB worst, 6-2-6 uh, bullpen ERA in the month of May. Give me a prediction, maybe not just for the bullpen, but for the Giants for the month of June. Uh, I know the schedule softens up just a little bit. Dodgers come to town for the first time this season. Uh, uh, what do you think of the month of June? And, uh, and give me a little prediction on this month. If you're looking at what the Giants did in May, which was their worst month since, I think, August of 2020, you can bet the over then for the next month. You can say that they're going to do a little bit better. The Giants had a very drama-free bullpen going into this year where they felt comfortable with all of these guys. And I still think that they do in a way uh, with Jose Alvarez scuffling a little bit. Uh, Tyler Rogers, his ERA is basically one freak inning that he didn't deserve. I think their bullpen is better. I'd like to see a little bit more life on 
on Camilo Duvall's slider and fastball than what we've seen in the last couple outings. John Brebbia, I think, has been overall a net positive. Jake McGee has looked good in his return. So I think I would take the over that they'll do better than they did in May. I don't think they'll win at 107 game pace again, like for a lifetime. I mean, that just isn't what baseball teams do. But somewhere closer to April is what I would predict. Okay, I, I like that prediction. I like the uh, the turnaround coming uh, a little bit here as they get more healthy, hopefully, this month as well. Grant, always fun catching up, man. Love talking Giants baseball with you, and uh, we'll check in uh, maybe in about a month or so. We'll check in down the line. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Great stuff from Grant Brisby. Make sure you're reading, following, and listening to him right here on the Athletic Podcast Network on the Bags and Brisby pod. They're giving you Giants stuff a couple of different times each and every week to get you through the baseball season. Giants out in Miami for the weekend, and then they come on home, take on the Rockies. They get a little bit of the L.A. Dodgers coming to town, and the schedule does lighten up a bit as they get into the month of June. But a nice prediction from Grant there on them turning things around, getting a little bit more consistent back to where they were in the month of April. But you would like to see them get healthy. You want to see guys like Lamont Wade junior comeback still waiting to see what happens with guys like Matt Boyd Anthony Disclafani but Jacob Junis has certainly done a nice job filling in in that spot thank you to Grant thank you to Brian Smith my producer and thank you to you the listener if you're enjoying the podcast please rate review and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening we'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports on Monday we'll get into a little bit of 49er football got to talk about that and then in the days and weeks ahead of course we've got to talk about the NBA Finals Warriors and the Boston Celtics who are squaring off in the finals as we speak right now so all that to come in the days and weeks ahead until then enjoy the weekend we'll talk to you Monday